Hello everyone, I'm Alan Mellish, Director of Events and Online Content at the Human Capital Institute, and this is 9 to Thrive HR, your source for education, expertise, and knowledge on all things talent. If you just can't get enough of this kind of thing, check out hci.org for more amazing free content like this. And also, if you want to make a real investment in your personal development this year, we encourage you to learn about our highly interactive virtual conference schedule at hci.org forward slash conferences. Today, my guests are Liz Feely, People Advisory Services Deputy Leader at EY, and Rosalind Feitzad, People Advisory Services and Work Reimagined Leader at EY. Liz, Rosalind, welcome to Nine to Thrive. Thanks, Alan. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so let's get started here. And I wanted to give you both uh, just a little bit of an opportunity first to introduce yourself to the audience a little bit more fully and give us an idea of what you guys are working at at EY and what kind of initiatives or work you're doing is exciting you right now. Thanks, Alan. So I'll start. So at EY, our people advisory services practice is really focused on putting humans at the center in any of the transaction transformation work that we do, and also working with our clients, especially right now in light of the pandemic, to kind of reimagine work on a go-forward basis and all the implications of that in terms of what it means for culture, collaboration, technology, et cetera. So I think Rosalind and I are very excited around that lens um, because we do believe there's been sort of obviously a massive pandemic, but you know, one of the silver linings of that has been, you know, a massive recognition that there's a new way that work can get done. And how can we really capitalize on that? Hi, I'm Roz Feinsod, and I have been doing human capital consulting for almost 30 years and very excited to be chatting with you today and share perspectives. So in addition to working with clients on the range of issues that Liz was just describing, I've also had the opportunity with EY to do a number of thought leadership pieces. And so we're excited to share with you some of the findings of our new research um, on the topic of work reimagined and the future of work. Thank you both for that. And very nice transition into what we want to talk about, which is as you guys mentioned, you know, by necessity of the uh, of the global pandemic, work changed rapidly, and a lot of new or existing technologies were applied or used at levels that we had not thought possible. You know, Zoom comes to mind. It was one of those things where maybe once a week, uh, a couple of times a month, you would have a Zoom meeting, but now it's anytime you want to meet with anybody. It's going to be over Zoom or Teams or any one of those virtual meeting platforms. So that's just one example of how things have changed. What's your findings from this research? Uh, I guess, who did you talk to? And also, what are people feeling out there in the world of work right now, now that we've had this little over a year of, uh, of being locked down due to the pandemic? Yeah. And Alan, I'll start and then I'll ask Roz to sort of chime in. Um, so number one, if we reverse the tape a little bit to the beginning of the pandemic, what we really derived at EY is that our clients needed to take what we were calling a two-gear approach um, to really surviving and trying to thrive, you know, during COVID. Gear one was around, you know, planning kind of a physical return to work, especially for essential workers, you know, um, or folks that had to be kind of in the in the workplace to, to really make the business run and how to keep them safe. 
But the second gear, which has turned out to be the place where we're really doing a lot of innovation and uh, inspiration possibly, is around reimagining what work could look like, you know, go forward. And actually, we did a set of research, you know, at the start of the pandemic that really focused on why might you reimagine work? And then a couple of key areas of reset, you know, that we were seeing kind of in the way work was getting done. So on the why piece, one of the biggest kind of things that we're seeing now is that why folks are reimagining this is in, in many ways that flexibility, the genie's out of the bottle on flexibility and the workforce really needs it and wants it in, in order to compete, you know, that needs to happen. And then in order to make that happen, you sort of have to reimagine how work gets done, what technology you need when you need to be together, what your real estate space looks like, you know, what learning, you know, should be, and even, so, and you know, then the cost and ESG implications of that. So I'll let Rosalind sort of chime in because we've actually done two pieces of research, one sort of at the beginning and then one now. Um, the beginning was what are the big resets and now is like, what do people really want? So Roz, do you want to augment that? Because I think that's an important backdrop. Sure. So the research we did last June, July, as the pandemic was just getting started, was talking to over 700 employers um, via survey, as well as over 3,000 employees. And what we found at that point were there were these areas of resets that were taking place. So resets in all kinds of HR policy and, you know, how you were getting paid and what flexibility meant, resets in technology, resets in culture and learning, resets in real estate, and resets in how do you measure productivity and analytics. So a lot was going on, but, you know, it was pretty interesting times because we kept thinking, this isn't going to last that long, right? First, we thought we'd all be back to work by the time Labor Day came around and everyone was heading back to school. And then we thought for sure by the holidays, we'd all be back to work in our desks. So now we're sitting here in April and companies are, many of them looking all the way out to September and beyond in terms of when people are going to be getting back to the office. So in order to really understand how has this perspective evolved, we conducted some brand new research in February to March timeframe of this year. And we did a survey of over 16,000 employees in 16 countries. And, you know, some key learnings around what we like to kind of bucket them as now, next and beyond. So in terms of now, People are actually incredibly satisfied with how companies have handled the pandemic and their job satisfaction overall. So nearly 80% of employees um, believe that they're satisfied with their job and nearly half of employees, 48%, say their culture is actually better than it was before the pandemic because they really appreciate how the companies have put people at the center of their decisions and really... Um, demonstrated that very clearly through their actions um, and also how well they've communicated with folks. Um, but in terms of next, flexibility has really become a new normal and 90% um, of employees are equating both the location that they work as well as the, um, the schedules and the hours that they work as really critical to them and being highly important. And nearly um, 
54%, so over half of employees say that they would actually leave their company for that flexibility. So it's a pretty exciting time in the human capital in the HR space because a lot of successful things to build on and a lot of opportunity right now to really reconsider what that um, next normal and the new normal is going to look like as employers are all planning for this successful reopening. Yeah, it's interesting too. I think some of those findings, I mean, I was really surprised, I guess pleasantly so, that uh, people felt like their culture has gotten better or so many of the respondents feel that way. Um, another thing that made me think is that, you know, since we've had all this enforced flexibility, it must be that a lot of people are feeling like, you know, we've been doing this for over a year now and I'm still able to get my job done and I'm not going to give up this uh, ability to work from home at least completely. Um, is that kind of the sentiment that you feel like is showing up in your data there? Yeah, absolutely, Alan. I, you know, to Rosalind's point, I think nine out of 10 folks really maintain flexibility. And I think actually flexibility in two ways. There's a lot of focus on where we're working, just because a lot of us, you know, we can't necessarily go into the office right now. So there's a lot of focus on the location of the work. But the other thing that we saw from the survey is also the hours of work, you know, so equal percentages of folks valued um, like the hours that they work as well as the location that they work. And I think that became something really important. The other piece, though, you know, that we're very conscious of, and Roz mentioned the statistic of over half folks would sort of think about, you know, changing jobs if they didn't have the flexibility. And some people have pressed and said, is that really true? You know, like, so we're seeing big trends with millennials, big trends with tech folks in particular. But I do think that, you know, that level of flexibility is going to be used as part of value proposition for employers, right, to go get the best talent and actually look to increase the diversity and inclusion of their talent. And so we've been on calls with clients where they're almost like this will become sort of you know, a baseline of, of where we need to be and how we need to do this, but balanced sort of with the business need, you know, for really keeping and engaging the talent. And then I wanted to pull on one thread that Roz mentioned around the culture piece, because I think we are seeing people feel like culture has, you know, done as well or gotten better. That is, I think, truly because we have put humans at the center of the response. Most organizations have done that, and leadership has shown up. They've been visible. They've been transparent. There's been sort of an intense sort of empathetic response to this whole thing, and I think the trick will be how do you sustain that level of leadership You know, as we go back into a hybrid working model where we're not all home? Um, and make sure you don't kind of, you know, lose that cultural engagement there. Yeah, and Liz did a double click into uh, the culture. And I want to do, Alan, I know you mentioned productivity, and I want to do a little bit of an expansion on that one. So it's almost two thirds, 65% agreed or strongly agreed that a new mix of being on site and being virtual will absolutely increase productivity. So certainly in many places around the world, people have been spending a ton of time getting into the office, right? Commute times are really long in lots of places that we all live and work. And that certainly is a huge factor. And the ability to just pop from one meeting to the next 
um, has absolutely done that. The ability, like you said, to look at your teams and see who's green or red and just pop into an instant conversation with them, you know, has been incredible. And, you know, the other question too, is just around creativity, right? And, you know, the fact that in certain ways, you're not just looking around your immediate desk and office to find people, but, you know, as we think about, you know, how people have worked together in new ways to solve really complex problems during the pandemic, you know, I think has been um, strong evidence around that. Now, for, for some organizations, that's kind of easy to see and measure, and productivity is very measurable in, in certain jobs. So I know employers that we've been working with, for example, in call centers, have all been completely shocked because they would have thought, oh, that's one that people need to be together and they need to be in the office and they need that manager or supervisor. And what they found in the most measurable job is that every call center we've spoken to has had higher um, first call resolution rates and customer satisfaction scores and even lower absence rates from that talent pool. So I think it's really kind of turned the table and said, how do we need to really train our managers and leaders to manage better by objectives, to give people clearer and smarter goals, and really think about, you know, we're not going to judge people anymore by the number of hours that they spend in their seats in the office. Yeah, well, and I think everybody knows if they kind of worked a 10-hour day, but you think about it sometimes and there's time spent talking with people in front of the water cooler or whatever that didn't really count as work. So being in the office is not a, a magic formula for getting people to do work. People can goof off and avoid work just as easily at home as at the office in some ways. Although there is that double-edged sword on the water cooler chat, right, Alan? Because, you know, we definitely hear, you know, on the other side... I'm only talking to the people that I'm planned to talk to. And I don't have any of those spontaneous conversations where I see this other person and we kind of get into a chat. Oh, you're having a busy day. What are you working on? And you get some idea or you help make a decision. So I think companies are thinking about how can they recreate some of that dynamic, both in the way the physical space is configured to enable more of that to happen in a good way. And also, how do you create some of those channels of, you know, office hours on sites or some virtual Kind of places or virtual coffee meetings that people can make sure to have some of that, you know, not so structured time to just have those kind of spontaneous ideations that happen. Yeah. Alan, I think that's a nice segue into, you know, one of the big questions that we get, if this makes sense, which is how do you make hybrid work work, right? So I think one of the big things we're hearing from, you know, both employers and employees is that you know, this all or nothing environment, either all in the office or all, you know, at home or virtual, right, isn't the ideal. The ideal is a mix of being together, right, at certain points in time and then being virtual at others. And so one of the things we've seen is really how to make that work is a little bit like threading the needle because, you really do need to be very thoughtful around when you bring folks together, how you set up the space to do that, and then what they want to accomplish. So a lot of what we're doing with our clients is looking at the work and the teams, and the team is the new unit of analysis in my mind, and what work does that team need to do together, and what work can they do virtually, and really getting super clear on that. So that you can set up the circumstances, you know, and the real estate and the scheduling for success. And so, uh, you know, one good example that came out of some of our client work is 
the finance function or a number of folks in finance would say, I can be virtual for the first three weeks of the month, but when we're closing the books, we would really like to be together in the office for that last week of the month. So we're seeing a lot of, I'll call it art and science going into thinking about how to make hybrid work work. Yeah, and I think we're definitely seeing that you need to have all of the supporting policies and technology to bring that to life, right? Because if you take that to the extreme, there are some instances where companies want to promote the concepts of either working from anywhere, living from anywhere, hiring from anywhere, right? Because you can get to that more flexible model. If someone within their job is able to go somewhere for a period of time and live on a ski slope and still do their job in a productive way and then ski a couple hours a day, that's great. And we want to enable that type of flexibility going forward, possibly. Um, on the other side of it, we do need to make sure that for those times where we something could come up, it's a known busy time and we need to get people back in, um, that it's a two-sided uh, discussion that's happening. And we don't want to let that just happen at the individual, um, you know, old school manager who might be putting blockers around that. And then the other thing we certainly need to be mindful of are just all the compliance and tax issues that can generate. So I think we've not looked at that maybe as carefully in, you know, the hardcore times of the pandemic, and there was some regulatory relief around that. But now as we kind of open this model and formalize it, we do need to be mindful of, are there places where you don't have a business tax nexus and what are the personal and company implications of, you know, where it's going to make sense for letting that, you know, work from anywhere, live from anywhere type of model and bring that to life? Yeah, those are all great points. Um, I'm sure everybody's who's listening to this podcast has probably heard some of those stories in the news, uh, Colorado, a couple of other states. Uh, Colorado, it certainly makes sense. It's a beautiful state, and a lot of people would like to live there but keep their job in San Francisco or New York or wherever and hit the slopes, as you say. But it is one of those things where you do have to lean on your compliance, legal, and accounting partners to make sure that you're getting all the advice and making sure you're in compliance of whatever you're trying to make happen. Yeah, and Alan, I think one thing that we're hearing and one of our clients has said that, so, you know, it's obviously one of the big whys for hybrid work is to kind of, you know, keep and attract the workforce that you need, but it should be sort of workforce informed, right, but kind of team led, right? So I think one of the things we're seeing is a real trying to balance what's the work that needs to get done by the team, what teams need to be together. When and how do you do the work? So there is sort of this yin and yang between the business need and the workforce need. And, you know, as we've seen, there's certain organizations, um, there's a number in financial services who have said, we're all going to go back to the office. And I think part of the discussion there here is that it is hard to sort of thread this needle to get kind of the right mix of in-person and virtual. And so folks are, are leery of losing the incidental innovation, right, that can happen when people are together. So I think one of the things we're really focused on with our clients are how do we, you know, make sure this works for the business, works for the team, works for the, the individuals. And frankly, there's other stakeholders. There's big contributions here to, you know, ESG, right, to computing and, you know, real estate footprint and all those types of things. So we really are seeing a balancing act here between all of that to kind of get the right balance in hybrid work. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you guys both so much for your time today. Uh, it was a really stimulating discussion, and I hope everybody will go check out the research that we mentioned. Uh, actually, by the way, what's the best place for people to find that research that we've been discussing? Yeah, thanks, Alan. We have set up actually a Work Reimagine Leaders Forum, um, and you can get there through ey.com. That's a place where we're really collaborating both with employers and employees to kind of share the best thinking and thoughts. So we're we're trying to create a community of EY and, and other folks across the world to discuss this. And so we'll be sharing our survey insights, you know, through that. But then there's also a potential to kind of collaborate and discuss some of that on that forum. So that's the Work Reimagine Leaders Forum. Excellent. We will definitely want to check that out for a chance to learn from each other and to and share with each other. So thanks, Roz and Liz. And for all ideas related to HR, come visit the Human Capital Institute at hci.org. And don't forget to rate us, like us, and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Alan Mellish.